everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 116th episode of the podcast, airing June 17th, 2021. Now, in this watery installment, I'm pleased to present to you my discussion with Raquel Reyes, who joined me in conversation on Cancer Solstice Season 2021. Now, Raquel and I dissected the action-packed astrology that lights up this year's seasonal solstice pivot, while also highlighting that the heady nature of the Gemini eclipse season gives way to the spirited heart backed by tender emotions. Now, with four planets stationing, Leo T-squares to the Saturn-Uranus square, and Venus and Mars finally meeting in conjunction, you can bet this is going to be a zodiacal month to remember. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my site over at energeticprinciples.com. Now, on another exciting note, Gray Crawford and I will be doing another IG Live on Monday, June 21st at noon Pacific time to honor the Cancer Solstice. We're going to look back on the last three months since the Aries Equinox and give a preview of what's to come for the next three months until the Libra Equinox. And so if you tuned into our last IG Live that we did on Instagram uh, back for the Aries equinox, you'll you'll kind of see what to expect. So, you know, come join us uh, live with your questions and your observations. And if you can't make it, because I know it's Monday in the middle of the day, you can always watch the broadcast after the fact on my Instagram TV channel. And so you can find that over at Energetic Principles. Now, I guarantee you're not going to want to miss this either way, because Gray and I always have a blast chatting up the stars together, and there's always key insights. So, all right. Who is ready to hear Raquel and I talk all about cancer solstice season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome to the podcast. We have Raquel Reyes here with us today. Thank you for joining me, Raquel. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Melissa. And hey to everyone listening. Woo! All right. Well, we got a heck of a podcast here today as we dive into cancer season. And I am so happy to talk about it with Raquel, who I uh, ended up connecting with via the Astrology of Awakening Summit that we both participated in over, oh God, when, when was that? Was that April now? How long yes. ago? Yes. Oh yeah. Seems so far away, but it was April. <laughs> I, I know what that's like less than like three months ago. And it feels like a lifetime that tells you the transit of 2021. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Raquel, for the listeners who are not aware of your presence, tell, uh, tell them who you are, where you reside and what you got going on. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. Um, So I'm Raquel. I identify as she, her, and I just moved to Florida, sunshiny Florida, during a ninth house annual perfection year ruled by the sun. Uh, And as for me, I've actually been studying and practicing astrology for about 14 years. I learned uh, and got to meet the tarot when I was 10 years old. 
So I'm a, a third generation Mexicana and I come from a really mystic family. So I've been kind of in the mystic mix for quite some time now, but I started my brand Astrology with Raquel in 2015. And at Astrology with Raquel, I love teaching Virgo South Node Ninth House. I love classes, workshops, really just bringing people together to kind of center these concepts of revolution, possibility, expansion, and to really do all of that just under the stars, connecting cosmically. Um, and I'm actually really honored that you asked me to do this particular episode because in Mayan culture, in my Mayan lineage, the summer solstice is a really big deal and has a lot of symbolism. Um, and I just kind of wanted to share really quick. Um, I'm not sure if anyone listening has heard this or if you've heard this, but there are beautiful Mexican pyramids. And way back when, when the pyramids were being built... Um, what they did was on the summer solstice, they were built so that the way that the sun is casting a shadow on the west and the south side, it looks like the pyramid is being split into two mm. to represent this day and night, the duality and um, the symbiosis that we get to create during the summer solstice. So just as somebody who is Mexican, I'm already really into cancer season and the summer solstice. So thank you so much for asking me to be here today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. And I know you're going to bring a lot to this broadcast uh, with all those insights, because what I've seen from you so far, you know, you always have these little tidbits to bring in that just open what we're looking at uh, into a total different space. Like I would, I did not know that about, uh, the pyramids in Mexico and having the, the light, it makes me think of the Egyptian presence yeah. too, because the Egyptians, you know, when we think of the Themamundi chart and, uh, mm -hmm. just uh, in the flooding of the Nile, you know, this is cancer season. This is yes. in some, uh, in like Carl, uh, Toby, Wayne Toby, am I saying that right? Oh, uh, Mercury retrograde is still mess with me today. Um, but a lot of there's astrologers out there that think that the uh, beginning of the Zodiac is actually with cancer. And so there's so much birth energy um, and, and vibrancy. And as a cancer myself, I feel it every day. But um, the solstice, magical times, magical times. Magical times. One thing I've been kind of playing around with is how, you know, during the solstice, um, and they're the Chichen Itza pyramids, by the way, in case anyone wanted to look them up, I forgot to mention that. Um, but I think a lot about, and kind of just drawing on the Mayan symbolism and stuff like that, um, just how it is a time where we can almost take the energy of the sun into ourselves mm. and really have this spiritual experience with the sun. And I think that's part of what makes it super enchanting. Um, but in Mayan culture, the summer solstice is a time for spiritual initiations. So people getting really deep into their spirituality. And I personally, you know, my culture aside, I've always felt like that during cancer season, the beginning of summer, the top of summer, I've always felt this refreshing invitation to lean into the inner world and intuition as well. Mm, well, we know cancer and intuition. That is <laughs> that is definitely a birthplace of, of that energy. Um, but I love the idea of taking in uh, the, the solar essence because that's essentially what the solstice, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, is doing is, you know, we reach our maximum point of, of day and where the sun is the brightest for the longest. Um, and, you know, because that's the idea of the solstice versus the equinox is that it is the, uh, it's the pivot point. It's the most extreme of the day and night versus the equinox, which is more of an equal, exact equal balance. And so there is that just like 
you know, this is as extreme as the sun is going to get. So it's almost like when we turn over that page and the solstice, like we take in part of that sun energy because it starts to recede and maybe it starts to recede within us so that we take it back into the dark of, you know, like you're saying, like go back into that kind of spiritual place and that invitation, uh, because it is, there's like, I get excited about summer. I don't know about you, but Oh yeah. I have a summer birthday. So I've always kind of been kid excited about summer and that never left me. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, I, I will say that it was in school. I'd be like when people would have their birthday parties and you get to celebrate. And I was always that July baby that I'm like, well, where's my, my cupcakes and where's my, but you know what? I didn't have to go to school during my birthday. <laughs> I could do whatever yes. I want. That, that was even better. So, you know. FOMO. Yes, I had that. I was just about to say, now that you bring it up, I do recall some of that FOMO and fear of missing out. My little Capricorn moon heart was like, wait, a treat during class. I want yeah. one for my birthday. I know. Celebrate me. This is my Leo <laughs> planet. It's going, what about me? What no. about me? <laughs> I, love I love it. Oh my goodness. And what, what's very, um, you know, there's some highlights to this cancer season. We'll talk a little bit oh, more yeah. about cancer energy. Um, but just some of the highlights are actually, we got Jupiter, Mercury, Neptune, Chiron, all stationing. So we have a lot of stationing planets. Uh, we've got Venus and Mars conjuncting in Leo, which is big news. Yes. I can't wait to pick your brain yes. about that. <laughs> of course, we have the Saturn Uranus activations. And just as a caveat, mm-hmm. Raquel and I are talking as Saturn and Uranus make their exact square and the moon is an exact T-square. So you know we are going to have some insights <laughs> into yes. uh, what that's all about. Um, and there is that full moon in Capricorn and you, you know, you were listening to two Capricorn moons here today. And so I hope that we're able to impart some of our understanding and wisdom around that placement and how to work with that, with the, the full moon. Um, but Raquel, what do you know, any other, uh, additions to just the cancer season or cancer energy or what that brings up for, you know, that cardinal cardinal water. Of course, I guess I think of like, you know, the origins of summer solstice, the Latin origin of the word. And it's, you know, loosely translates into like standing on the sun. And I guess conceptually or as a vision, I like to think, what would I do (laughs) if I had the opportunity to stand on the sun and have access to all of that? And I think that that opportunity, I think we all do have that during cancer season. And I think what it does is it kind of pushes us closer to what or whom feels safe, feels like home. And I think that within that process, we get to access new emotional depths and new emotional intelligence. Mm, Emotional intelligence. Ah, if only they taught that more. Uh, I wish they did. (laughs) I wish they did. I wish they did. And there's part of me that, uh, it's part of me that sees my future self uh, somehow being involved in that because it is such an important um, aspect of just maturing and living and evolving in life is emotional intelligence. And, uh, you know, the sun and cancer does bring that the sun gives us, uh, you know, that hit of awareness, that illumination, um, and cancer is that, you know, it is intense emotion. It is that rush of emotion. It is active emotion. And I love your idea of standing on the sun, because when you said that Raquel, what I I imagine myself standing on the sun and what I realize is that if we're standing on the sun, we're always 
maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong about this, but in my mind, we're always looking at a full moon because <laughs> if we're standing on the sun, if we're standing on yeah. the sun, because the sun would always be lighting up the body that is in mm-hmm. front of it versus our earth mm-hmm. view that gives us these phases. And, and, you know, cause that is the, with cancer season and why we get those rushes and those waves and those ebb and flows is because cancer is ruled by the moon. So a, yeah. you know, that moon in Capricorn is going, you know, that full moon in Capricorn is oh, going yeah. to be intense, um, and not a scary way, but just one where you're really feeling emotion because it's all coming back to the awareness of the sun and really just this all the whole moon phase that happens, um, during while the sun's in cancer, uh, and all the planets in Leo, I'm just going to say this before I forget, because, you know, we have so much action going on in Leo with Venus there and Mars there. Um, and all those planets are going to be looking back to that sun in cancer too, which will be following the moon. So there's so much sun and moon, there's so much luminary happening. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in comparison to, to last year, cancer season, I honestly feel that this season might have a brighter positivity for us with less Capricorn oppositions, (laughs) um, you know, and I'm also thinking a lot about cancer season and Jupiter and Pisces, you know, and thinking about that little sign-based alliance and what that might feel like for us. And I'm really viewing cancer season as a time that can get really mystical, nurturing, supportive, and also really generous. Mm, I love that. I love that. Generosity. That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately is generosity of the heart. Um, and that is, you know, Jupiter aligns with that, that generosity, uh, and there's such a heartfelt position that happens with cancer placements and Leo placements, especially those two together. Um, and, and really staying in the generosity of the heart, because I know a lot of us have been faced with, uh, some intense hardships recently with, you know, the solar eclipse that happened in Gemini as sitting in the middle of the second pass of the Saturn Uranus square, you know, personally, I have been going through it myself and I keep coming back to the, the bomb of that, or, you know, like healing bomb that is, is the generosity of the heart and the spirit and, and maintaining that and like, letting that be the guiding point of like, at least myself and my position in life right now, even when there is a lot of, um, uh, there are difficulties going on in the world and we're, we're getting used to, I mean, there always are, that's the nature of life, but, um, it's been yeah. a, one hell of a ride, uh, since 2020, but in this year too, with the Saturn Uranus square, um, yeah. So I love that the, the general generosity in general and generosity of the heart, Mm-hmm. And also too, while you were talking, another thing that came to me was maybe protecting our hearts a little bit this mm-hmm. cancer season, you know, and kind of having a, a boundary maybe where it's like, I don't cross this line of generosity because maybe then that takes away from my inner resource, which I think our inner resource is going to also be very important this cancer season. How do we internally resource? How do we externally resource with so much energy? I think we might be focused a lot on how we feel and how we process those feelings. Mm, Yes. I agree with that 100% because at the end of the day, that's what cancer is a very protective energy. Um, it loves to protect what it loves, what it, what it nurtures its family. It's, you know, what's really close to its heart. But one thing cancer can get tripped up in, uh, is 
protecting everything else other than itself, you know, and self-nurturing is, oh, it is such a key learning piece. Uh, if you have cancer energy in your chart, but also when we go through these, um, transits where planets are in can cancer and especially the sun. So I think that is a wonderful point because water, water, don't know, no boundaries, you know, and especially with Jupiter and Pisces now, and, and Jupiter will be in Pisces. It will be, uh, retrograding on the solstice, which we probably should talk about here. Um, oh, but yeah. it will be in Jupiter, uh, it will be in Pisces for the entirety of cancer season. So there, like, that's such a good point with the generosity. And, but here's the thing is it's like, you just have to, it, the generosity is always going to be there. It's just, you got to know the right place to put it, you know, is it mm-hmm. generosity with others or is it coming back and being generous with yourself, uh, by mm-hmm. knowing where a line is to, uh, point that goodwill. Cause you always want to have the goodwill, but where is it best served, I guess, in some respects. Absolutely. So, all right, well, let's talk about that. So cancer season, uh, gets underway. Where's my, on the 20th, the 20th of June is our solstice. I don't even think I said that before. Um, <laughs> and, uh, right before we have, it actually is exact at eight 32 PM here, Pacific time. Um, so, uh, Raquel's over on the East coast now. So, uh, that is what, do my math. 11. Is that 11? 11 yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so basically the evening of the 20th here in North America, uh, would be the 21st. If you're listening in Europe or in Australia. Um, but right before we have that solstice about 12 hours prior, we have Jupiter stationing and what an interesting signature to begin. Cause I, I mean, basically the sun is in a trine to Jupiter at that point. So what do you, uh, what do you think about a stationing Jupiter with the sun just trining in? Sure. Well, okay. So what I think anytime I, I start to think about outer planets is I like to remind myself that they're usually working for longer term changes and kind of alleviate some of that pressure that as a Virgo, I like to put on myself to maybe feel a transit on the day or, the, yeah, right. well, you know, or the day before or all of those little things. So I think for me, one of the first things I think we should kind of remind everyone is that uh, this is a retrograde that we'll be in until October 17th. So we've got a minute to like stretch out here and we are going to stretch out in Pisces and Aquarius, but I do think with the sun being in the trine, I think we could get a lot of clues, uh, a lot of clues, and it could be a great time to check in with our energy levels and how we're kind of feeling with wherever Jupiter's transiting in our charts. And I think it might be a time in general of just kind of slowing down and maybe leaning into our spiritual or esoteric wisdom-based practices. Mm, absolutely. Especially with Jupiter and Pisces mm-hmm. now it's really, you know, cause Jupiter is that point of wisdom. Um, and you know, trines are wonderful because here we have this, uh, solar, this strong solar energy, and now coming into a water sign as Jupiter stations in a water sign. And there is just, a, you know, immense intuition going on. And so I feel like this might be, uh, a great point to, 
really check in with the growth that you've made for yourself. Mm. Like you said, like kind of pause and like take a spiritual perspective and, and go in that and like feel into, and I don't think it'll be hard. I think it's going to be very apparent because try and just flow things in. And so you might find yourself at like a bit of a checkpoint, not when there might be like a decision or you have to pivot in some way. It's more of like, "Mm, what is like kind of what you said, like what is energizing me? Like, what have I learned up until this point? What has this last, uh, you know, month and a half of Jupiter and Pisces uh, symbolize for me? How did the Jupiter and Aquarius piece work out? What have I learned since Jupiter met Saturn back at, in late December? You know, these are all, there's so much that has happened uh, with the Jupiter story. And I feel like there's just going to be that, huh, okay, moment on the solstice where we can uh, sit with that a little bit um, and hopefully pat ourselves on the back uh, but also mm-hmm. listen to what um, might be next and might be uh, some something to really chew over until mid-October. Like you're saying, when Jupiter goes direct again, it might just give, a, give us a hit that we can percolate on inside before we'd really move forward. Yeah, and I'm excited for that. Just that big collective mood shift that we always get whenever the sun moves into a new sign. And I think, at least for me personally, I can only really speak for myself sometimes, but having the sun in the sign of Gemini and and the North Node there and eclipse there and retrograde there. And it was a lot of, um, I was upstairs a lot. I was thinking a lot in my head constantly. And I think that this might be a nice mood shift where we can, it's like safe to get out of our heads and into our hearts. Mm you know, and recognizing that even on that day, like on that day, we could totally feel that finally getting back into that heart center after quite some time of thinking. Yes. 111% on that. Like (laughs) I, that's one of the main things I'm looking forward to with cancer season is that shift. You know, of course we're still going to have mercury in uh, Gemini, um, Mm -hmm. when that happens, but, uh, and Mercury will still be, Mercury will be about to station at that point too. So that's another interesting piece to this is just having Mercury still in that retrograde position and why there might be some more of that introspection that we're talking about and kind of that, that checkpoint and like feeling into, you know, like, cause we're about to turn a page mentally too. Oh yeah. Um, which is, is big. So There's really a lot that happens in that little, because what happens is cancer season starts on, you know, like deep into the 20th, the 21st, depending on where you are. Um, And there is just like a hot spot of energy that is culminating to the full moon in Capricorn on Thursday, the 24th. So there's a few things going on uh, between you know, Sunday and Thursday. Uh, Obviously we have the solstice, we have Jupiter stationing, like we just talked about. Um, But we also have Venus uh, trining Neptune and opposing Pluto. Um, The sun trining that's stationing Jupiter and also Saturn sextiling Chiron all between the 21st and the 23rd. And then Mercury stations direct smack dab in the middle of it on the 22nd. So there's a lot, there's a Venus piece, there's the sun piece that we just talked about. There's definitely that Mercury piece. Um, and this interesting Saturn Chiron piece, which I don't know if you work with Chiron, Raquel, or not, or if you have any thoughts on that. But um, where, where do you want to start within that? Venus, Mercury? Gosh. Well, 
I mean, would you maybe want to start? I mean, I'm well, right now, what's kind of on my mind, um, you know, is is the Saturn Uranus square. Okay. Um, and just how that might flavor a little bit into our cancer season. Um, it does sure. it doesn't happen during cancer season, but I think that you know, the kind of effects maybe will be experienced for like one to two weeks after this transit. Um, and I actually, in my natal chart, I was actually born during the Saturn Uranus conjunct in 1988. Um, so <laughs> I, someone I has this, some insight. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, got a, I got a lot to say, and I guess I just want to point out that I think that there is going to be this beautiful breakthrough, like right before we get to cancer season, that's going to sort of unfold during cancer season and throughout the rest of this year. And we'll be like, you say, cleaning that up a little bit in 2022. Right. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing natally, what I can say about Saturn conjunct Uranus or just these energies together is that it really feels like inner tension between your sense of independence and your responsibility to yourself or the world. Um, and it's kind of this wrangling of like, what are we committed to? What are we responsible to? And then this total and utter sense of freedom. And so it can really feel like a dichotomy, especially for me to have that conjunct because you're constantly dancing between these two very different planets that have really different intentions. Um, but I know that, you know, this is all going to be highly activated, right. As we move more into July, um, but for cancer season, I guess I wonder, can we go into cancer season coming off of the Saturn Uranus square with, instead of a to-do list, maybe just a list of things that we have come to find to be true about ourselves and the world around us. Mm. Because <clears throat> I have a feeling those have changed. <laughs> immensely, uh, in, in many ways. Um, and that's good. And that might be part of actually the taking stock. Uh, and because I think a lot of us are really taking stock of where we are, uh, in, in the world, I mean, as a collective, but also in our, our personal lives, because I mean, the last time Saturn squared Uranus was back in 1999 and 2000, this does not happen every day. And I don't know, uh, what your life looked like back then, Raquel, but, uh, it's funny because you know, what's fascinating about that is that it was a switch position is that Saturn was in mm -hmm. Taurus and uh, Uranus was in Aquarius. And it, so it was activating the same houses, but in, in a different position, which is funny because I moved, I moved across country on a whim. This happening in my fourth house and my seventh house, uh, to be in a relationship. <laughs> and, uh, and what's funny is that now I'm having those same, I'm having those same thoughts of, uh, but in a, in a reverse position. And so these, like, I know. And so, you, you know, depending on how old you are, because some of you, if you're a little younger, maybe this was more childhood for you, mm -hmm. but some of you who are a little bit older, uh, you can look back to that time and be like, Hmm, uh, what, you know, and we see great collective changes at that time too. I mean, obviously, it kind of led us into, at least here in America, uh, you know, 9-11, which was yeah. not to say we're headed towards that per se, but that was right. a big shift into in the mm -hmm. world. Not to mention just dealing with, uh, you know, Y2K and the, the millennia and like this great yes. change of like, yes. you know, and so it's kind of like a, yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but it just sparked my mind as to like yeah. the intensity and, and how, um, just for that, I mean, personally, that time in my life, like, was was huge in in my story and where I'm at today, and that, mm -hmm. and here we are, that next next shifting point uh, yeah. that shifts into something <clears throat> that is a new type of stability. 
Yeah. And I think another thing that is revolutionizing for us, maybe individually, Mm -hmm. is our relationship to revolution. Like, Mm -hmm. how do, what does that mean to be like a revolutionary person? Or let's say to revolutionize your relationship with love, with money, with society, with community? Like, what does that look like? And for people who might be reflecting on the last um, transit, it, it might be that the way that you dealt with revolution and change at that time might look dramatically, actually will likely look dramatically different than how you navigate it this time around. And I think that that's a really cool reflection piece. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, you just brought me somewhere. Well, I'm just thinking about how Saturn is now in the place where Uranus was. And, uh, you know, Saturn does bring us, uh, lessons and, and something that we can really root down within us. And so if you do look back to that time, like I can see where my revolutionary self um, and the split decisions it made in that moment, uh, you know, like almost like the cause and effect, you know, because Saturn can be a very karmic, I mean, it is (laughs) planet and Mm -hmm. seeing that cause and effect of that time and what that revolution looked like for me. And now maybe stabilizing the revolution into that, into the Taurus energy and how I can make changes for myself, or you can make changes for yourself, uh, that have maybe that, that stronger rooting or a place of peace or something that it can be very stable in, in long-term, you know, the changes that, you know, uh, can be uncomfortable because you have to move something that's been very permanent, but it also can, you know, revolutionize an area of your life that is very, you know, that has such great promise once you shake it up in some way, you know? Yes. I had so many chills just at different points when you were talking. Um, and I, I also feel like, you know, what if this is the type of transit, right? That brings us closer to new energy levels that maybe we've not accessed ever before in our lives. Like that's very possible. Yeah. I totally think so too. Uh, because that's the thing, like we're just saying like, this hasn't happened since this amount of time, like these, why these squares between these slow moving planets are so important is because we only get access to them, uh, you know, minimally. And when we do, they're never in the same position. So these, these are once in a lifetime moments and we have to honor them. And even if they do get frustrating and a little jarring at times and, and really challenge us in our evolutionary story, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is the one shot we get, you know, this is, I think it was one life to live, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you got, you no got pressure, just, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure at all, um, or all the pressure and you're feeling yeah. it. Um, and yeah. you can't ignore that. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's not going away, you know, sad. Saturn and Uranus both are very uh, persistent. And Uranus, I love the idea of Uranus um, about being the Furies and the story of the Furies. And Uranus will not leave you alone when you have the Furies inside of you because it has to get out. Uh, Speaking as someone with Uranus exactly on the ascendant, Yes. It is like, you know, it has to get out. It will, it will percolate within so much that it creates that volcanic effect that has to find a release in its pressure at some point. And this is really what that trans this transit is for me, um, in my mind, at least. And I'm noticing it with people that I talk to too. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that the square kind of ushering us into cancer season is, um, I guess a really great reason to, to lean into intuition during cancer season, because during times of massive change, Mm. 
our intuition is such a, a beautiful, safe place for us to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and trusting it, trusting it. Oh, Amy. that part. Oh, that, yeah. That's <laughs> wait, like, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Eva, it's That's so funny. Rub. It's It really is. <laughs> It really is. And you know, what's so funny is like, I mean, I have a really strong intuition. I'm sure you do too, Raquel. And I mean, we all do, but when you, when you get to this level of like interacting with it, uh, with what it is that we do, you know, for a living and stuff like that, you know, it's like a muscle you work it, but there are still times, especially in my own life where you know, part of it is coming into the trusting of, of that, um, you know, mystical Mm -hmm. voice or that, that knowing, or like you said earlier, us moon and Capricorns tend to get sensations and chills and bodily responses, um, that are like, hello, are you listening? Um, so are you into ASMR then? You know, I'm, I'm not really into it. I mean, if I, if I listen to it at a certain time, maybe I'll enjoy it. I'm like, Uh, (laughs) do you, do you feel it when you, uh, so I just, I, I know it's been around for quite some time, but I'm a little late to every show. So I just discovered it <laughs> and I've been having so much fun with it because like you said, it's like those body, full body chills and just all these different sensations. So we'll see, maybe I'll do a little astrology horoscope ASMR someday. Oh, I bet people would love that. <laughs> be like, I feel like I'd be, I don't know. I, uh, I, I've thought about that at times because I always thought I'd be a good voiceover artist and just, Oh yeah. You'd be in and, and talking oh, yes. and like bringing the, the crinkles, you know, <laughs> crunch the paper, crunch, crunch the paper. Yes. Yeah. See, so. I'm so into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think it's really funny actually, because I did a meditation going to bed last night that I was actually like an asthma thing. That was, uh, that, that it, it was about jumping timelines and, um, and, it, and she advertised it as like an asthma experience. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I've never really done this before, but I like the, 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 to- the topic of the meditation. And then, and then she was like, yes. And I think I'm going to light a candle. And she starts to like, you could hear the, like the matches, like, and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like in my bed, just lights out with my eye mask on. Like, it's, do I like this? I, yeah, I guess yes. then I was asleep. So who knows? Um, <laughs> it was funny. So it's well, funny it's that you bring of, that up. It's kind of Neptunian, right? Like we we're talking yeah. about um, the Venus trying Neptune that we have, um, around the time of the solstice. And I always think of, yeah, like hypnosis, meditation, all those mm-hmm. things that help us connect really deeply into that internal voice that we have, the internal world. I love all of that so much. And yeah, I am really excited for that Venus trine that we have with Neptune as well. Yeah. So it's, so it's interesting because Venus, this is the th- interesting thing about the position of Neptune and Pluto right now and uh, getting closer to that sextile, which uh, Neptune and Pluto <clears throat> have been dancing in, in so many years, you know, because those are the slowest moving uh, bodies that we pretty much track, not the slowest, but at least the ones that I track. And what's happening is these planets get into specific positions with it, like Venus will be in Cancer, where it trines. Um, Neptune, who will be stationing soon. So there, there is that. So there's extra Neptune on the scene, Yes, but then goes to oppose Pluto. And that's, and it's such an interesting combination 
to me um, because, you know, Neptune can be very romantic and be otherworldly. It can be very artistic and creative. Venus loves to create. Venus loves to love. But then there's the intensity of Pluto and the change and the like the uh, on the other side with Pluto that comes right after it. And so I'm noticing for some people and including myself, there's kind of been these patterns. At least I noticed when Mars made this position during Gemini season um, of this kind of like letting go and maybe having some like dealing with some grief and then moving through a change um, that happens with the Pluto. So uh, contact. So I don't know if you've noticed any of that. Like, I love to look at the wonderful sides of it, but I also, there are some challenging pieces to this lineup too. Well, I guess for me, I think anytime Venus and Neptune get involved on a very personal level, I'm able to recognize, and this is through a lot of inner work, of course, but I realize like, that during, sometimes during Venus-Neptune transits, like I'll fall in love with the wrong people or I'll have people or things put on these really high pedestals, um, maybe for no reason. Um, It's very like, can be very illusionary. And so I totally get the romantic pieces that are sprinkled into it. But sometimes I love when things get 12th house because that means that I'm invited into seeking deeper clarity. So when things get a little Neptunian or even Plutonian, I kind of have that as like, okay, this is a time that I'm probably about to personally develop and the collective is might, might be doing the same thing as well. So I like it in that way, but I do think there's maybe some mischievous energy that could be afoot as well. Afoot. There is mischievous <laughs> energy afoot. Um, yeah, that's yes. It, Cause it's, it's, it's a mixed bag is what it is, mm-hmm. you know, it, because I, who doesn't love love? Who doesn't love romance, yes. whether it's actual romance or just looking at the world through romantic rose colored glasses, yeah. you know, we need that. And so there can be this point of easy idealism and lifting things up, um, and, uh, and letting things go or being one with something. And I guess once I started talking about that Mars piece, cause Mars was in this position, um, uh, you know, the weekend before, or a few days before the solar eclipse happened. And that was very tense for a lot of people, uh, especially when we had our, you know, second Mercury Neptune square go on. So it could be part of it is, you know, cause Venus does like to smooth things over. Venus like helps us open up. Venus helps us, you know, maybe find that healing energy or just find love within something. And so maybe it is actually that healing bomb to some, uh, more difficult energies that were felt during the, uh, you know, alchemical eclipse washing machine that happened right in smack dab in the middle of the two eclipses. So perhaps she's continuing a story, um, in a way that gets us in touch with maybe the difficult parts of illusion mm-hmm. or idealism or change yeah. and control, but, you know, yeah. maybe softens that, that energy or helps us understand it or make peace in our hearts with it in some way. Yeah. And you know, Venus likes to negotiate, but I guess you're right. I'm thinking like Venus trying Neptune, right? Negotiation, or is this maybe more like, I don't know, trying to sign a really important business deal, like while you're on an acid trip, you know, like, <laughs> Because what are we negotiating with Neptune, really? You know. Uh, oh, and th- now that's a question. 
That is a question. Um, you know, and you know, I'm looking at the chart, Raquel, and actually on the 21st on that Monday, when that, um, when she makes that trine, we have a grand trine in water with the moon and Scorpio too. So that's, mm. you know, that is going to be some watery territory and, and the moon and Scorpio can absolutely help us heal. It's going to bring us to depths in places. Um, but it can also, uh, trigger something, you know, it can bring up some intense, intense feeling and intense emotion. So it's almost like that first part's going to be very watery. And then by the time she gets to Pluto, um, on the, uh, on Wednesday, the 23rd, we're going to have that moon in Sag, which always kind of like propels us to the, you know, like we're out of the water. We're looking towards the future. We're, you know, <laughs> hopefully being optimistic about where we are and we're ready to make a change and, and move on in some way, uh, perhaps in relationships and values and negotiations, yeah. as you're saying, you know? Yeah. And I think with Venus in opposition to Pluto, it's kind of like trust is the question. Love is the answer. Oh, um, well, that's what I like to think, but I do think that trust is going to kind of come into question, um, around this time for us, whether that's in interpersonal relationships or inner trust or what have you. But I think, you know, sometimes there's these automatic assumptions that there's going to be like this big dismantling or death with Pluto. And, and sometimes there is, but other times it's just about, you know, coming into more of an awareness of power or control dynamics in our lives and allowing those things to kind of get answered for, for us or by us. Oh, I love that. I literally have a sticky on my computer, um, like on my computer screen that says trust is another word for love. So I love that you bring that up because that that's, that's true. It, it is, you know, like, Especially for those of you that have trust issues, which I might mm-hmm. be one of them if I have that. Hi, my... looking right at me. <laughs> <laughs> Got one right here. That one right here. Um, you know, and, and having the moon in Scorpio while, you know, that grand trine, you know, that might be because Neptune, like you said, the negotiations is like, what can you trust with that? That's hard yeah. because there are no there are no certainties when it comes to that. It's only imagination and and, and the dreaming and what you would ideally like to see. Um, and that's actually part of believing is trusting, um, Hmm, in it. So maybe it does go from a point of, uh, wanting to believe in something. Um, and then in order for that to happen, you actually have to follow through with the trust that, (laughs) that is necessary for that to be a solid belief, especially with the moon in Sagittarius, which will have us looking at more belief systems. Um, behind that. Oh, yeah. And inner wisdoms. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Venus, she's making an issue. So we get right into that solstice. The energy is brewing because we're getting closer to a full moon. So this is not, you know, this is when things start to like heat up. So that's going to be a, a hot Sag moon, basically leading us to our, uh, our full moon in Capricorn. Um, but let's talk about that stationing Mercury. Mercury stations direct on, tw- on Tuesday, the 22nd, while smack dab, while Venus is doing her thing. Um, and yeah, so what a Mercury retrograde period we have been in. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to say I had a classic... Mercury retrograde little tiff with my neighbors, of course, next door neighbors. Mm. And it's funny because it was just such a cliched retrograde experience, like quite literally having a disagreement with neighbors. It doesn't really get any more Gemini 
than that. Um, personally, I would say there's been a huge focus for me on my relationships and just connections, how I'm connecting with people. And then of course, within that, focusing massively on communication, thinking about things like nonviolent communication, even thinking a lot about the love languages, this retrograde, mm, yeah. Just really trying to think about communication, repair and reform and how to move forward um, in a communicative way that feels good for everybody. But what have you felt this retrograde? How's it been going? Uh, I've definitely felt those things that you felt. Uh, and I mm -hmm. think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Mercury stationed, uh, you know, retrograde on Venus. So yeah. And, and is is was replicating Venus's retrograde moves from May and June of last year. So there's something about this Mercury retrograde that was about in, you know, going back with intellectualism and rethinking things like it normally does. But there was this uh, communicative relational flavor, um, that was a part of it along with that Neptune energy that was once again, pushing us into this because it, it was so strange having like going back in our, in our minds, it, dealing with just normal mercury retrograde, like just kerfuffles. Um, and then <laughs> having that Neptune that really like made things even more unclear or like the normal, like miscommunication that would happen was like amped up by like 20 because Neptune was in there. And mm -hmm. so there was just, I, and that brought me back to like what we were just talking about with, with trust too. And like learning to trust, do I trust my mind, which is not always a reliable resource or do I trust my intuition and, you know, maybe this vision that I have or these dreams that I hold. And, and there was a lot of back and forth with that. And like, it, it was communication with people. Um, but it was a lot of internal communication. How do mm. I communicate with myself, uh, and the thoughts that go on in my head and are they serving, does this logic serve me in any way? And this logic, even logic, because there, you know, like there were mixed wires and, or, you know, crossed wires in some ways where I could get very adamant about what I was thinking. Um, but what story am I telling myself? And really that was a lot of the retrograde for me, uh, and probably the eclipses in Gemini and Sag, where what is this story that I'm telling myself? What is the story I want to tell myself? Does this serve to have this, this inner dialogue? You know, I mean, this is an eighth house space for me. So obviously it's a little oh, yeah. more personal, uh, mm -hmm. with that psychological, you know, <laughs> uh, space. Um, but that was really what that means to me. Um, and I think there's just going to be insights with this station of what that whole process looked like and, and how to, you know, communicate, uh, inside and outside going forward, um, and where my mind and its logic fits within this picture, especially now that heart energies are really going to be uh, center stage with cancer taking place. Yeah. And you said something so beautiful and, and brave too, where you said you asked yourself the question of, is this logic even logic? And that's just a huge thing that I think we could all check in and ask ourselves. And I think that, you know, with Mercury, it's so fast moving, right? I think that this retrograde sort of had offered this opportunity to be a little bit more present than maybe we were going into it. Um, and I think presence is something that kind of got really shaken up for almost all of us in 2020. Yeah. Like, how do we show up for life? <laughs> what do we, how do we do it? 
And that's a great point because actually that was another big piece of my Mercury retrograde that I was personally going through is the presence in the now and, uh, you know, being so concerned with what's going to happen in the future when I don't know, and being so, uh, you know, resonating with the past, uh, which is a place, you know, that there's, you can never go back to and being present with the moment, even when it's difficult and uncertain, um, is, you know, as they say, it's our only point of power is in this present moment. And the present moment might not be exciting. That's the thing too, is I found myself, I didn't want to be present because what was, there was nothing happening. Mm -hmm. So why be present when nothing's happening, but everything's happening, everything's happening right in that moment, even if it seems like it isn't. Um, and so I, that's another thing I did basically during this whole Mercury retrograde is I meditated so much every day. I had, you know, a 45 minute meditation practice practice with visualization and doing channeling. Um, and see, that's the, (laughs) that's a sign. Everyone meditate, get in there, meditate. Uh, (laughs) that is hilarious. Yes. So that was, so I really feel that idea of presence, um, and and meditating and being with that. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I think to what you were saying earlier about, um, what we were both saying about like trusting the intuition. And then it's sort of that maybe coming out of that struggle between like the logic brain and the heart space. And then there's the intuition and there's this and that. And I guess the way that I see it, or I try to see it is that there's all these different parts of myself And my goal every day is to just get everyone to sit at the same table for just a moment. (laughs) That's all I ask. Just a minute, just once a day. You can all get at the table and just have a little moment together in conversation. But I definitely love cancer season in general for opening us up to also maybe some psychic energies. And just wanted to kind of touch on that really quickly um, with Jupiter and Pisces. I'm just, I'm not sure about you, Mel, but I'm hearing and seeing so many healers emerging, um, you know, energy healers, even astrologers, people really, really tapping into that intuitive energy and that psychic energy that I think can be available with water. You know, I mean, it's available all the time, but I particularly think when the sun's in a water sign that we have a deeper access. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening maybe consider themselves to be psychic or in tuned. So wanting to see how you felt about that sort of energy circulating through cancer season. Oh yeah. That's a, yes. And it's actually what I'm looking forward to most because I mean, at least for me with my, you know, being a Scorpio rising and a cancer sun, it's, it's like the thing that I actually resonate with most. Like, and so if I get a solid psychic hit, I, that is, that is gold for me because, and I look forward to these transits like this because I can really lean into them because that is my point of awareness versus when I'm when heavy in this air and having, having to deal with logic, you know, and like, and reason, and we need those things in life. I, you know, you can't live totally in the water realm, but at least for me, that's, this is my point of power and understanding and how I operate. And so I, I do think that, you know, we're, it, it really is an invitation to come into that side of our awareness, which we all have and you don't need to be a water sign. You all have water somewhere in your charts <laughs> Yes, um, and, and lean into that and what that says. Uh, and once again, back to that trust, because the trust is such a big word because trust, you know, like when you know something and you can't see it, the only thing you can do is trust that. 
Um, and yeah, and that's where I think magic is made. And I feel like healers and astrologers and everyone is kind of coming out, uh, after laying low for a little bit. I feel like a lot of us were kind of, I need at least myself. And I know a couple other friends of mine that are, that are in this biz, uh, that were (laughs) in the biz biz, that were kind of laying low a little bit because it's hard to come out there with insights. And, you know, when you're processing yourself, like, let me collect until I have the message to impart. And so I think you're right about people coming forth that are going to have these, um, you know, kind of these water moments that are going to be able to give to the collective in some way. Well, I also heard on the news that they're anticipating a baby boom. Um, oh, I can see summer. that. Uh-huh. I can see that. Uh-huh. And so I, of course, naturally thought of cancer season with the dates that they had mentioned where they were forecasting it. I don't know how you forecast that kind of thing, um, but they were. And I just thought it was really interesting. Ooh, you know, what's interesting about that is that if we have a baby boom in cancer, basically what was happening is that Mars retrograde cycle where everyone had timed out in like late 2020, you know, that was... Uh, <laughs> People were getting busy. Um. I, yes, I'm an auntie to a lot of new babies this year, we'll say. But yes, people were for sure busy. And then I think with more people now going out, about yeah. to get busier. <laughs> <laughs> There's busyness coming. Oh, I mean, it's already coming though. I mean, I don't know about where I know Florida is a different situation. Um, I, yeah, she's shaking her head. Um, (laughs) as as someone who grew up born and raised in Florida, I know it is a special place. Uh, but even here in California, they're, uh, like, I remember going out, uh, I had a friend in town and I went out to go take us to brunch and we went down to little Italy, uh, which you would have p- people in it normally. But when I drove by like some back streets and I saw like a parking structure was full, I was like, oh no. And then I like drove by like the main strip. It looked like Disneyland out there. I was like, oh, people, yes. you need to take a number. We all don't get to like flood out the gates at the same time. Like the, it is intense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of echoing a lot of like the Jupiter and Pisces predictions. I think that were being made that like people were kind of just going to flock out yeah. uh, this, this cancer season this summer. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where there's still uh there's still a developing story to this larger story that we've been living. Um, well, and that's, and that's what I think as well. And I think that, you know, like for me here in Florida, I don't know how long we'll be staying here, but there's a housing crisis here, right? Really? We have a moratorium that's ending at the end of June. And there's a lot of things that are kind of, you know, still repercussions of the pandemic, of course, that I think we are kind of seeing in like certain transits throughout the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, things like a baby boom and, potential housing crisis during cancer season. Um, there's a lot of things to maybe pay attention to societally and just in the news, you know, kind of thinking about that too. Yeah. And it it makes a lot of sense because we will discuss that, you know, Venus and, uh, Mars are going to be lighting up that Saturn Uranus square and Uranus in Taurus can definitely give us a housing crisis. It can give us a, you know, uh, a monetary, I know Bitcoin is doing some crazy things now where all these different coins are coming out and it's like, you know, like 
people are like making money off the, like, and it was like, what is this coin? How can a coin just come out? And then yeah. all of a sudden there's this like really warped sense of value around that and, and people yeah. profiting off it, but also trying to understand, you know, what is even, uh, what is value to begin with. And when we get into a slippery slope with that, there's like, there's something that's going to give in that area. And there, there's more to be, I think there's going to be some, some news around all that, uh, you know, unusual financial activity that's going to come out within. Of course, <laughs> there's got to be. Yeah, there mm-hmm. has to be. There has Definitely. to be. Oh, so, yeah. um, so, all right. So basically cancer season gets underway. Venus does her dance with Neptune and Pluto. Uh, we have Mercury stationing within all that to like bring us out of this, uh, to really bring us out of all the Gemini that we've been in. Oh, see? The dog say. <laughs> Raquel said she had dogs and they, uh, (laughs) and I said, when the dogs pal, that is the sign that something is true. Um, so this brings us to, uh, basically our full moon in Capricorn, which is going to happen on Thursday, the 24th, uh, at three degrees and 28 minutes of Capricorn. And so we'll let Raquel wrangle the dogs. <laughs> I don't have a big 80 pound dog here or anything. No, no, no dog to see here. No dog to see here. That's funny. But, um, okay. So this is, you know, the point in our conversation that I'm really excited about, of course, the full moon. Oh, let's talk about that full moon. So, I mean, a full moon in Capricorn is always interesting. I was born on a full moon in Capricorn, so mm-hmm. I guess I know a little bit about it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, the moon is technically considered in its detriment there or its exile, which, you know, we can we can piece parts of that together. And it's not like, it's not like the end of the world or anything like that. But it is an interesting component when we're thinking about the, the, the moon and being a full moon. Um, and also just a full moon right out of the gate with cancer season. Like we don't have that much yeah. time to get situated. We're like presented mm-hmm. with the, with the awareness of it pretty quickly. And so, uh, mm-hmm. let's hear your, let's hear those cap. we got two cap moons here. What Raquel, what, what do you got to say? <sighs> yes. I think, I think this full moon I would say is probably going to be a time for all of us to really set things into stone. And I think that that might feel really incredibly nice. Like as we're talking about so much uncertainty, I think it'd be great to have sort of this full moon lunar space to kind of set things into this, into stone. And I also think that with this particular full moon, there might be some sober realities being brought to the surface for us. Maybe there's like a little bit of seriousness, seriousness with the Capricorn energy, but all in all, I'm really looking forward to it because we just moved out of you know, eclipses, uh, happening in the Capricorn realm. And that was really difficult. I think for myself with the Capricorn moon, but also just everyone and kind of figuring out like boundaries and restrictions and resistance and just structures and foundations, and maybe even some oppression. So I'm really looking forward to this full moon to maybe give us a chance to enjoy the Capricorn energy in a way that maybe we haven't fully been able to in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's it's so true because we had a loaded lineup in Capricorn, especially in 2020. And um, any time that you know a planet came around to the cardinal signs, and especially in Cancer and Capricorn, we felt it like it was an immense 
um, weight. I mean, because that, that, that is the thing with the Capricorn moon is emotionally, there can be a lot of weight around mm-hmm. how we feel. Um, and that's where, you know, like Capricorn moons can struggle with, uh, you know, depression and, and, mm-hmm. and things that kind of bring down because the reality is so, so real, or how can yeah. we see anything beyond, you know, the limitation or what? And so that can be a little, uh, disruptive at times. Um, but there's been so much Saturn energy to me. It feels like there is going to be some sort of illumination, um, or coming to some sort of like ripeness, maybe with the Saturn Uranus square, because Mm -hmm. the moon is going to be looking to Saturn and Saturn is still tight in that square. Saturn's making that sextile to Chiron, um, and maybe some, uh, you know, hard lessons or, or pain that we've been through that, uh, but, but, but it's a sextile so we can work with it. There's opportunity within that there's growth. Um, there's new points of building that's within it. Uh, and, and there's something to be said about when the scaffolding is torn down from Saturn and Uranus, uh, but can also be built up again with the culmination of the moon. And like you're saying, kind of bringing us back to, uh, you know, a reality, but in, in a way that, I don't know, gives us the fullness that allows something to be built, um, or the first part of a building stage then completes in some way because of the, you know, the culmination energies of the moon. Yeah. And I think it's going to set the tone for us to prioritize, like what is worth our time and what is not true. Like what, what is worth our time? And, and, you know, just Capricorn with such an emphasis on time, linear time in the past, we might feel nostalgic for this full moon, uh, you know, but I do think that again, within that process of going within, that's when we usually find magical answers. And I do think we'll be able to restructure a little bit with this full moon and restructure to the, you know, have our structure of our lives be suitable and the structure be able to hold space for the things that we do feel Mm. are important. No, I like that. I like that. Like finding the structure, but also to go liken back to what you were saying when we first started talking about cancer season, uh, is finding that point of boundary too. Um, and being aware of that, uh, for our own needs, our own self-nurturing, because at the end of the day, that moon is illuminated by the sun and basically the earth in cancer. And, um, so that could be a point of drawing some, uh, lines that are in our best interest in some way. And that it might have taken some time to get to that might have taken, oh, yeah. you know, many months, yeah. maybe since Capricorn season to realize like, Ooh, where do I really want to draw this line? And when I draw that line, what can I build from that, uh, boundary? Because, you know, a boundary is, is something that, you know, once you like an, one option's gone and you're like, committing to this, because that's another word for Capricorn is a commitment uh, in some way, then it's like, all right, well, maybe I went through those choices during Gemini season. Maybe that was what the Mercury retrograde was about. Maybe I was weighing these things. And now I'm like, no, this is, this is what holds the most promise for me. Uh, And that could be sometimes the exile space that comes with the detriment of the Capricorn moon too. Mm -hmm. It's not, we're exiled. It's like, it's more like we emotionally choose to pull away from something because it's in our best interest or we feel that it is. Yeah. And I think of Saturn, the planet Saturn, so literally, so symbolically as Saturn has boundaries, right? Like Saturn has the rings around it. So it's possible that maybe we establish new Saturn rings around ourselves and we're kind of in the middle, right? And like, we get to decide 
who gets to be in, inside of our rings. And we also get to decide and determine who stays on the outside of our rings. And that could be something with this full moon that we establish. And yeah, getting to that place, the most delightful things might not be happening to get you to that place. It could be a little bit of, like you said, dismantling. But I love the glow up that is possible with Capricorn energy. It's that master builder energy. It's so undeniable. Well, because that's the thing too, is like, maybe you make some hard choices. Maybe, you know, you draw those boundaries, but what comes through that is, you know, like strength and ambition and being like, all right, well, I know where I stand. And so now that I know where I stand, I can build upon that and I can feel energized by that. And even if it was difficult to get to this place, I now have a point to build my empire, you know, like my, what is, what is my next empire? Because there is a solid ambition, uh, in the physical world that comes from a Capricorn moon and especially when it is full. Um, so there is that as well. Now, did you say, before we got talking, uh, before we hit record, uh, Raquel and I were kind of like talking about how we, you know, both being Capricorn moons, uh, mine's an earlier degree, but, uh, having gone through Pluto conjunctions, um, and what that's taught us as, as Capricorn moons and, and vulnerability around things. Um, and what were you saying, Raquel, you said something so brilliant and I was like, save that for the podcast. <laughs> you remember what, <laughs> what we were talking about? You know, one of the things that I, I will say, and I, I might, it might've, might be the thing you're thinking of, but, I really was able to have this beautiful opportunity to have my own perspective of the Capricorn archetype just completely changed through Saturn being on my moon, Pluto's on my moon right now. Uh, And one of the big things, I guess, that, that changed was me having a willingness to dismantle the inherent hustle mentality that was alive within me. And the same hustle mentality that I see the collective exhibit, you know, with big Capricorn energies as well. And I think that in that dismantling, it really helped me to understand what time actually is. And that maybe time isn't like this linear thing of my to-do list, but rather it's something to enjoy. It's something to be present for. And also just really leaning into the humor and sarcasm available with Capricorn energy finding those glimmers. I would say having Saturn and Pluto, you know, on my moon like that, I realized that, um, you know, my, well, my concept of death is changing, right? Things that I even subtly, things I used to consider life or death, they're absolutely not. I have so much more respect for life cycles, even, and just the cycles of time, you know, that's a big piece for me um, of what has changed with Capricorn energy. Mm, I love that. I love that. I think we got a lot of a big dose of that during 2020 as you know, a lot of us didn't work or work started to look different. And now we're having, and that could be something that we might see in the news actually is just the, uh, cause it, it's, there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of places that need workers, but no one wants to work. You know, like this could be a culminating story of like just the change in the job market and how people um, are in a different place about what work looks like and what that means for them and the hustle, like you're saying, um, and how that has changed. And it made me, because Pluto, and I think I was talking about with my own Pluto transit and, and Capricorn energy is those kind of like false protective walls that the Capricorn moon can put Mm -hmm. up and learning to be vulnerable in a way that gives you a new protection and offers you more, um, 
you know, soul sustenance, which what, what is what a moon really is, and especially moon in a in an earth sign, um, by leaning in to vulnerability and not always have to be so strong and finding strength in vulnerability mm-hmm. rather than yeah. a, some sort of false facade or keeping up mm-hmm. with the Joneses or like, you know, like, or being yeah. this thing in the world, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. And it's like, I don't want to be a hard worker anymore. Like I don't align with that phrase anymore. I used to always say that I'd be like, I have such a hardworking moon sign. I'm a hard worker really like pride myself on that. And now, oh my gosh, like I, I will never say that again. It's, it's not something I pride myself on. And I realized and recognized like, you know, some of that is rooted in capitalism and a lot of things that I had to unlearn. So true. So true with the job. Um, and, and even things like, uh, like I, I would like to speak more to like, um, the aging feminine too, which is an, another part of Capricorn and moon energy together. And just as a woman that, you know, I'm about to turn 42 here in cancer season Ooh. and looking at myself in the mirror and how things have changed and you see different lines mm-hmm. and you know, the body's yeah. changing and like having moments where I get down on myself for that. And then I have to stop myself. I'm like, what are you doing? This is all, mm-hmm. a you know, this is a cultured narrative that yeah. has been, uh, culminated to sell us something or to keep us in our place or to render women invisible as they age when at, you know, in, you know, like, and primitive and probably better times, the feminine wisdom of age was what kept a whole community running. And Mm -hmm. with that, like grandmother, and I'm not a grandmother yet by any means, but, you know, like just coming to terms with that and like, just, you know, finding a point of, uh, like just emotional okayness with realizing that these structures that society has rooted within us, um, is need to be questioned. They need to, rather Mm -hmm. than like turning it on yourself, you need to see where that narrative comes from in the first place and, and dismantle it. And that is what I really love to dismantle. And I feel like, I feel I'm coming to terms where I think the, as I get older, this is going to be a big message of like what I want to share with the world is dismantling this, um, tucking away of women who begin to age because it's so wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that topic. No, I absolutely, (laughs) no, I love it. Step up on the soapbox because it's a really important topic. And it's, it honestly, like my whole entire nervous system just felt a lot of relief when you were even just speaking on it. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, no, no problem. I hope I've, you know, like everyone joined the crusade with me, you know, like there's <laughs> value in age. And, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the hardest parts about that was, you know, society and advertising feeds us all these narratives is because that's the thing that also comes with Saturn <laughs> and Capricorn. Oh, the dogs are saying it. Um, is that, uh, you know, where was I going? Oh no, Mercury retrograde. Oh, is that people are afraid of death and getting older and breaking down. And once again, being vulnerable. Um, and we try to like, not honor that within the collective by always putting like fresh faces on everything we see. Like I I have yet to see like a clothing ad that has a woman in her like forties or fifties modeling the outfit. Like, you know, like I want to see that. I want to see that in makeup ads. I want to see 
you know, I don't need to see the perfect 20 year old skin. I want to see mm-hmm. that next to some different variations. And, um, yeah, now I'm, I'm really, you can tell I'm, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I love it though. And I mean, I'm sure like so many people listening completely agree. And it's, it's really nice that you're giving name to this and just naming it, you know? Yeah. And I think, I, you know, I anticipate a lot more of these types of conversations during cancer season too. Just emotional, just more vulnerable, like you said. Yeah. This is from the heart people. <gasps> all right. <laughs> so, well, that's a lot to say about, uh, the full moon in Capricorn and all the variations that we could possibly get from it, uh, and the Saturnian flavor that is behind it. Um, but it's interesting all the while we have uh, Neptune who stations retrograde the next day on June 25th. Um, and we've already kind of touched on Neptune. Do you have any, any, any quick words on Neptune stationing or just if like the, um, yeah, the only thing I have to say about Neptune stationing is might be more relevant if you have mutable signs around 23 degrees. That's true. That's true. Cause this, it's, um, if it's not really contact, we're, we're all going to feel it in some way. Maybe there'll be some dissipation at dissipated energies. We'll probably feel it when Venus trines in on the 21st. Um, so there, so there is that. Uh, but if you do have it, like she said, in the mutable signs of, you know, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, you are going to feel the shift because what it is, is it's, uh, it's activating a larger transit that's taking place for you, whether it's on your planets or especially your angles you have it happening at your angles. So just FYI for Neptune transit people, that is a hot spot on the 25th. Um, but okay. So right after that big news, we have Venus ingressing into Leo and then and she's basically on her way to Mars at that, this point, like she is chasing her counterpart. Um, and so, yeah, the, the 26th, which is Saturday, uh, Venus and Leo, what do you think? What do you feel? <laughs> I just feel glamour, glamour, glamour <laughs> with Venus and Leo. Uh, I'm excited for it. I like anytime Venus shifts into a new outfit, if you will. Ah, yes. And the Leo outfit is to me just, oh my gosh, so over the top, so wonderful, so beautiful. I'm excited for the fire. I really, really am. And I just like the idea of, you know, Venus going from water to fire. I'm excited yeah. for that transition. I think that this particular transit could be really confidence boosting and confidence enhancing. I'm excited for that. Now, what happens with Venus and her meetings with all the other planets, you know, not so sure that it's all (laughs) going to be sunshine and roses and Venusian delights, of course. But I do think all in all that this is going to sort of be collective growth of our values, but more importantly, self-expression. Um, I think that Venus and Leo is going to really open us up as a collective to all express ourselves really, really fully. Mm, I totally agree because if there is one sign that is about self-expression, that is Leo, Leo. you know, Leo, that lion shines bright for all to see. It's a sign ruled by the sun, um, which is fascinating to think about, you know, having Venus there, having Mars there, that self-expression, it comes from the, the Leo uh, placement, but it also is backed 
by a cancer son. So we're adding mm-hmm. imagination and intuition and, you know, like just once again, love and emotion to what it is that we're expressing and the passion and the heartfelt, you know, cause this is passionate energy to me. Like this is bold. Yeah. This is, this is the bold and the beautiful basically <laughs> coming yes. out. These are bright colors. This is when you go in your closet and you're like, I never wear that that bright red statement piece yep. in the back and mm-hmm. you pull it out and you're like, now's the time. Um, oh yeah. It's the time to be seen most exactly. definitely. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so there are going to be a lot of peacocks on parade. So get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody, you're going to go from that like domestic uh, Venus and cancer, you know, kind of hanging around and then people are going to go out. You're going to go to, you know, look n- nice for dinner, you know, buy that new red lipstick. You, you'd want to, just want to feel good in in Mm -hmm. your vessel and express yourself in whatever way is true to you because it, it, you don't, maybe that bold red dress in the back is not true to you. Maybe it's that lovely, cool blue that has a nice neckline, you know, but whatever it is, is it's, it's true to you. And that's where I think Venus is really coming in with our point of self-expression, our creativity and our relationships and just being true to yourself and what you know, and what you have understood up until this point. Uh, and then really just putting that on display for all to see. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, Venus and Leo might be a time where maybe we raise our standards a little bit in the Leo parts of our charts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Lift it up. Cause Leo, you know, Leo wants respect, wants validation, even though it gets validation from itself first and foremost. So if that's the trick with Leo, don't look for it outside of yourself. It's got to come within. Um, Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're going to be hungry and searching forever. Uh, and causing a ruckus, trying to look at me. me, Cause there's going to be like that too. That's the thing with Mars and Leo too. And having Venus, if you find yourself in a, like, you know, kind of, I don't, I wouldn't want to say tantrumy, but like kind of stamping around, like pay attention to me, pay attention to yourself, give Mm, attention to yourself. mm -hmm. Don't, don't try to, you know, source it outside because that can get exhausting, um, and disappointing at times if, uh, someone else or just the world in general isn't willing to give it to you. <laughs> yes. You know what, Mel heard? I needed to hear that because being online all the time, yeah. you know, <laughs> as anyone who's listening, like it's it, any, if you have any type of profession where you just need to like show up a lot, it can get, it can get a little draining, uh, you know, and it can be hard to be confident even if you are showing up all the time. It, it can, it can. And it, it's easy to get in that loop. It's easy to get in that feedback loop. Um, and that feedback loop, uh, ebbs and flows. Um, and you know, that is not the point of your confidence and your, your self-worth or your self-esteem. Um, and that is something to remember too, when we start to put ourselves out there, cause it's easy to be, it's, you know, isn't that just the, just, just a bitch when you, when you put everything you got into it and you think you're doing a great uh, job, you got a great presentation and then there's just no, there's no feedback or there's no response or it's not what you expect. And then you watch yourself rise so high to only drop so low and for no reason whatsoever, because the integrity and the intention is still there, but it's the feedback response, um, that comes in that can like drop a good thing. And so, and I know a lot of people struggle with that with social media, whether you're like Raquel and I that put ourselves out there with messages, or if you're just sharing your your life and, you know, I, I want to take part in this really uh, almost necessary, you know, 
dance that we've created as a society to have to be something in this visual presence um, at all times. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Another soapbox. Uh, <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah. But, but overall, I think Venus in Leo is going to be um, so bright and wonderful and, and, and just really heart engaging in, in many ways, but it's going to have its turning points mm-hmm. just because <laughs> she's going to activate the, you know, Saturn Uranus square. That's just, yes. that's just part of it. Um, that is definitely going to be part of Venus's story here. Yes. So, um, you know, what's interesting though, is like right after Venus moves into Leo on Saturday, the 26th, on the 28th, on that following Monday, we have Mars actually getting to a place where it flows with the nodes. And that's well, so that's something that Mars and Venus mm. would both kind of do. So before, this is an interesting piece to me, astrologically, uh, especially coming off of eclipse season, because we haven't got to the new moon in Cancer yet. We are riding this whole time in a solar eclipse, uh, you know, capsule basically. And both, uh, the, um, both Mars and I think Venus does too. I think she does, or no, it might be around the time of the new moon. They make a flowing connection with the nodes before kicking up the dust with T squares to Saturn and Uranus. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what that like nodal piece is before the tension hits of like, you know, that bigger story. Uh, I don't even know if I have words for it. I'm just kind of, I'm just laying observation to it. Um, Totally. I think it's going to involve time, the timing of our lives, initiate time, initiate things that change time for us, if that makes sense. mm. I always associate nodal transits with just life events or things changing in our lives. Time's changing, tides are changing. Um, so very curious. And then I think is that's happening at the 10th degree, right? I think it is. You are right about that. So I always see the 10th degree, not always, but a lot of the time, I like to think of them as like turning points, like little yeah. switchbacks or maybe even endings, not necessarily, but turning points for sure. So yeah. I'm thinking turning points with our destiny. Turning destiny, turning <laughs> points as if the yeah. Saturn Uranus square didn't have enough of that. Um, but right. that's, you know, but that's the nice thing about the flow is it, it's not a tense, it could create a tense turning point, but maybe the motivation and the, um, the kind of like choice making of the turning point, which could be an ending, uh, to some extent, because anytime we turn a corner, there's something ends so that we can begin, you know, the next mm-hmm. say goodbye to that block to then enter the, the next block. Um, and it, it almost feels like right with a point of awareness that seems right for those houses for us that then goes on to be like, all right, I accept the challenge of the difficulty or the dismantling that has to happen after this point, because I have now understood uh, where I need to transition and in the, in the mm-hmm. choices that I've made. So there, we could be making an energetic choice um, the week of the 28th and, and Monday as uh, Mars starts to get in that sensitive position is on, and is on the lead up to um, basically getting smack dab in the middle of that Saturn Uranus square. Yeah. And I, sometimes, you know, when I think of Venus, I think about Venus and how she wants to be triumphant, you know, she likes victory. 
you know, yeah, like that victory piece. And so we'll see what happens with Venus, but I know that she's got that fight in her too. Well, and you know what's, um, I just got chills for this. And you know what about this Raquel that I love that piece that you just brought up is because both Mars and Venus are going to be making this T-square within the second decan of Leo. And the second decan of Leo for tarot is the six of wands, which is the victory card. Um, so this is the, this is the, the man or woman or, uh, you know, any gender you define with coming in on the horse triumphant with those six wands and being like, I did this. That was one hell of a battle, but here I am. And so Mm -hmm. there, you know, I feel like there's not, not going to be a challenge. There's not, not going to be a turning part. There's not, not going to be frustration, but there is a victory, a personal victory, Mm. (laughs) you know, because this is Leo, this is a personal victory, uh, that is going to take place as Mars and Venus both meet these points. And I'll, I'll just say real quick that Mars is going to be in this zone, uh, basically the July 1st through the 4th kind of, cause the moon lights that up there. And then Venus, uh, goes into that same spot. Where, when does she do it? Like my um, So Venus is there the sixth and the eighth, um, Saturn on the sixth and Uranus on the eighth. Okay. So, you know, the, this is like a week apart from each other. So literally it's like, it's like both are coming in with their, their staffs of blazing. Like first Mars does and Mars, you know, like Mars is that mm-hmm. more independent, that more motivating energy, uh, you know, like that driving force. And then Venus comes in and is maybe getting everybody else involved <laughs> or feeling yeah. at peace with it or are loving the changes that have been made. So there's, it's just an interesting, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have anything? There's so much we could talk about with that. I don't yeah, know there's, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much, but I guess maybe some simple imagery is yeah. I kind of picture Mars coming in and Mars to me sometimes is like a bro. Like, let's just be real. Just kind of has that bro vibe. It does. Um, <laughs> and I kind of picture Mars coming in and having the interaction with Saturn, which is like, Mars is like a plastic knife trying to stab concrete in this situation. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting, right? And then Mars has its interaction, of course, with Uranus. And then I think, I think Mars is going to exacerbate things, of course. And it I will. think that, and like you said, you know, Mars is Mars is quick, but it's like where we're quick to cut things off. So I think that it's possible that Mars comes through and creates some energy on that first week. And then I think maybe Venus will come in the following week for some repair or some <laughs> renegotiation to kind of smooth over what maybe Mars just did. That's I honestly kind of what I think. I thought the same, same thing. Like something's gonna, I don't want to say blow up, but, um, yeah. you know, that well. there is, is a, we are putting basically, you know, fire and air together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having the combustible or the like surprise element of earth, yeah. which earth makes something real. You know, this isn't just speculation where I'm passionate here and I'm throwing out these ideas. No, something changes on the physical realm because, because you're creating that tension within Mm -hmm. the mind space and in the passion space. And, um, and I think you're absolutely right where Mars comes blazing in and, uh, for its victory, right. It has its own sense of victory. But really Mm -hmm. we see the victory, uh, in that like net sock energy of Venus, 
as the actual victory. And victory really comes when there is compromise and there's peace and we're all on the same page. Mm. Victory is not uh, someone winning over another person or, you know, that, that conflict or like that I stake this claim and someone else loses. Victory is when there's some point where at least we can find some peace uh, where everyone wins or, so, you know, like bringing things together that benefit, uh, you know, both individuals, if this is like mm-hmm. a, maybe a one-on-one situation or you're dealing with, uh, you know, or you're, de- and it could be you against, uh, the collective or an ideal Id- ideology of some sort because yeah. Saturn and Aquarius. Um, and so I think you're absolutely right. And I was thinking exact same thing about Mars doing the damage, Venus yeah. picking up the pieces. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, I think like Mars could maybe, yeah, kind of come through with this really abrupt, (laughs) um, supposedly instinctual energy. And I, you know, I guess I want to say for, for those of us who really do focus on relationships and connections and our connections with others, I think that the, um, this week with Mars might be a week to pay attention to so that we make sure we're not too quick to cut people off or to cut things off that we genuinely care about so that the following week, maybe we don't have as much repair to do for ourselves. Maybe just being super mindful that Mars week. Yeah. I think, I think you're absolutely right because at the end of the day, all that Leo energy is looking back at cancer or sun and cancer and sun and cancer cares about something that cares mm-hmm. about people. It cares about its family. It cares about, uh, itself, you know, like, and so you don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face. Like that's yeah. <laughs> so we got, yeah. we have to, uh, be, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let me get some, yes. water. let's get some, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, let's throw all these, uh, sayings in here. Um, yeah. because what, it, and you know, what's so interesting that's sandwiched between these. So Mars comes in with its, its force, um, all the while that it activates it. It also trines Chiron at the same time, which is an mm-hmm. interesting, like it can, uh, there, there's, that's an interesting added component to all this where there can be triggers, maybe Mars yeah. easily acts from a trigger. That's a pain trigger or a pain body that then creates this like severing or the, this, you know, very fixed, um, approach that could be very egoic in some way, uh, you know, between July 1st and like the fourth, which is independence day here uh, mm-hmm. in America. And that, and it's, the moon is basically going to be lighting up um, that connection on the fourth uh, with the moon conjunct Uranus in mm-hmm. Taurus. So just know that we have a very interesting signature for our July 4th here in the US. Um, but where I'm going with this is that between that Mars energy from the first to the fourth and then the Venus energy from kind of you know the fifth through the eighth, she goes through the same motions. We have the sun square Chiron. So there's more Chiron kind of pain, like some sort of trigger energy come up. Um, there, the sun is also sextiling Uranus and Taurus. So there's adding Uranus. But most importantly to me is Mercury's leaving its shadow while also making its final square to Neptune. So Mercury's going, Mercury's making its last dance with this Neptune space. And I'd love to know what you think might add to the dynamic of what's surrounding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's, 
I think it's going to be a little disorienting or there might be some disorientation that can lead to an acknowledgement of a lack of clarity. Um, but like, again, I think it's going to be an excellent time with this um, Mars square to think about like nonviolent communication, the love languages, oh. really being mindful of ways to connect with each other, but also a great time to transmute internal battles or what have you into things like humor or art. Um, Jim Carrey has Mercury square Neptune natally. And he's a really great example of someone who turned a lot of their internal dialogue or maybe internal pains or traumas into his art. So I do like that sort of energy for, for Mercury square Neptune, but you know, I'm really interested in sun sextile Uranus. I'm, I'm just interested to see like what that might bring. And um, I'm not super into celebrities, but I do know that boy George has this placement natally. And I love boy George and his, um, you know, his curiosity that leaves, leads to inventiveness. And I think that this could be a day where we could all get very curious and see where it leads us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because and, and it's interesting because we feel the tension with Uranus, with Mars and Venus, right? But the yeah. sun is playing as mediator, um, with its, you know, opportunistic sextile with Uranus. So it's not, you know, Venus and Mars and Venus will act. Well, and it's interesting because it's like Mars acts, the sun becomes aware yeah. Venus picks up the pieces is basically yeah, what's Yes, it's like, yes, yes, yes. I love that you broke it down like that. The best visual <laughs> ever came through my mind. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Mars is like, ah, and Sun's like, oh, and Venus is like, oh. You Here know, I come. Here I'm yeah. coming, I'm gonna fix this. Um, yeah. And, you know, speaking as someone, I was born with the sun exactly sex or exactly trying Uranus. Um, so I, and the moon sextile. So like by degree, so there, I I get, I get this point of like what that means. Um, and the need for release that comes with it. Um, because I think that could be a very key piece to this and why Mars might've been pent up in the first place is there's some sort of liberation and freedom that has to take place. Um, and sometimes that's not cutting something completely out of our lives. And it might take that to happen before we actually realize like, wait, that was valuable to me. Like the cancer son's like, hold on. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I, I loved that. I, that was part of my, uh, you know, my, what I call home within me. Um, and so what else needs to be freed up? Um, it, what, what, what am I really trying to disrupt or, uh, upgrade in my life? Cause I think of Uranus as upgrades too. Like, yeah. Like oh, we're yeah. trying to upgrade in some way, um, and total destruction and total, like just cutting things off is not necessarily upgrade. It could be a false sense of protection, which which is what the sun might come to when it realizes like, oh, maybe that wasn't protecting me in the way that I thought it was. Um, And so now, you know, like how to, then how do I repair that? What really needs to free up? um, And, and what is the end goal that I'm trying to get to, to, you know, you know where I'm going with this? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm no, totally. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. I'm the same way. I'm the same exact way with the visions, but I think that like, I love what you're saying about all of this. And I like sort of erring on the side of caution with your honest transits or being more observational if we can, because I think that like, we all want freedom from what we feel is hungering down on us, right? Like no one likes that. However, we might come to find that what we thought in a moment was something hungering down was maybe actually keeping us safe 
or maybe something that we thought was keeping us safe or is keeping us safe is truly hunkering down on us and we're not able to like move or expand or grow. So I think that we're all going to be sort of in that process in one way or another and society will as well, but it is about revolution, you know? So there is something exciting about that, about things revolutionizing for us and changing in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that whole time period from the first to through the eighth is going to be just that. And, and there is this point of, um, you know, like liberating oppression, some sort Mm -hmm. of oppression Mm -hmm. is wanting to be liberated, but we have to name what that oppressor is because that oppressor or what that oppressor is might be misplaced at first. Um, before we realize what is actually oppressing us. And so that might be the like challenge within all this is finding out what the actual oppressor is if we are to liberate ourselves in a way that really serves the bigger purpose of uh, our personal freedom um, or how we want to upgrade our energy to get beyond a situation. And so that discernment that has to come Mm. from that. Yeah, I love the word discernment for I know you season. do. Yeah, <laughs> I love it in general. But yeah. yes, yes, Virgo discernment. <laughs> but discernment is so key. It's so key. You got sometimes yeah. you gotta like sometimes you gotta dig into the details. Sometimes that blaring picture of what you think the problem is is not actually the problem until you yeah. realize that you address that problem and then you still feel the way you feel and there's something else going on. Um, and so sometimes it's not the thing that's right in your face that it's actually the problem. You have to dig deeper. Um, so mm-hmm. oh, yeah. dig a little, dig a little deeper here. Dig uh, deeper. Yeah. Dig deeper. Well, this brings us to our new moon in cancer, uh, which is Friday, July 9th, my birthday. So yes. seed into a new moon. Uh, it's going to happen at 18 degrees and two minutes of cancer. Um, and of course we're going to have the ruler is going to be the moon in its domicile. So we go from the full moon and its detriment <laughs> to the, a new moon and it's very, in its strength. Um, and, uh, and Mars is in a sensitive position at that time too. So let me pull up the, let me see my new moon chart here. Um, yeah, or actually Venus. Well, it's interesting. They've kind of surpassed that point, but there's something to be said about the signature of this new moon being strong in cancer, but there is Venus about to conjunct Mars that is, you know, rolling off the the tail end of everything we just talked yes. about. So, <laughs> so what do you, what do you think about this new moon? You know, I always um, observe the new moon and particularly, of course, when it's in cancer, I'm, I'm just really fully, genuinely excited for it. I'm available for it. I'm available for creative possibilities, for new emotional depths. I'm available for love and closeness, what I might want to protect. And I say all of that knowing... <laughs> You know, um, I guess kind of what's around the corner and it's 444 right now here on the East Coast as we're talking about this (laughs) new moon magic, really. But I I do think it'll be magical. And, you know, regardless of the other transits, I think that it'll be really valuable for all of us to stop and enjoy the deliciousness of this new moon as much as we can. Yes, I know. I will be enjoying it. I'm going to take that day uh, (laughs) and run with it. and, you know, I, as a cancer, I always love a cancer new moon, right? That's like, it's kind of a point of uh, rebirth for anybody who is a cancer. 
Um, but there is something to be said. Like we, we talked about earlier about cancer season and getting back into our heart, getting into our intuition, getting into our feelings and that emotional space and what nurtures us and who we want to nurture. Um, and it takes, sometimes it takes the new moon to really see that in and, and know what that is, uh, and be solid in that and rest in it because there's a comfort, um, an emotional comfort that can come with cancer. And when we're in an emotionally comfortable place, we can build from that because that's the thing too, is this is a cardinal sign. This is energy that is starting. Um, so there's some sort of like intuition. There's some sort of like heartfelt connection, uh, some sort of homesteading or nesting that is ready to be done. Uh, and this is kind of that starting point of that, I think. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to feather my nest. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. And it's nice too, because not too long after that new moon and we can feather our, our nest and get into that cancer energy. <laughs> Then we have Mercury ingressing into Cancer, which finally, like, move it on, Mercury, um, and then makes a trine to Jupiter, uh, basically mm-hmm. uh, the 11th and 12th, which is Sunday and Monday. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's adding to the Cancer party, too. And I think that for me, that feels like some sort of like good news is coming. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, and you know, definitely some expansive, exciting news could be coming in for sure. But I also think maybe making expansive plans for ourselves under Mm. this energy making plans for the future and big, big visions, bringing those big visions, maybe onto your journaling paper for, you know, the first time or something like that. Ooh, I like that because what we were talking about when we first started the broadcast was when during the solstice and that check-in and that spiritual, Mm -hmm. when the sun trying Jupiter, well, now Mercury comes along and is like, okay, well, let me intellectually let me see align yeah. with that, or let me mm-hmm. uh, make some calls, or let, or maybe you get correspondence that is an alignment or the next step of uh, that growth story uh, in some way, or maybe it's just an internal understanding within that is like, yeah, no, I'm my my heart and my mind are on the same page when before maybe mm-hmm. there was struggle around that. And so I yeah. really like, I really like that because what that does is it leads us immediately into the glory of Venus and Mars <laughs> conjuncting and Leo yeah. on the 13th on uh Wednesday, the 13th. And that is, hu- that's huge because huge. they have not met since August of 2019, because of their retrograde cycles in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we have, they have not been on the same page, like relationships. And I know a lot of people, including myself that have struggled <laughs> with relationship connections of all kinds, because there are only few points of meeting where you could like truly come together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, Mercury trying Jupiter is kind of like setting us off onto a journey, yes. maybe an emotional journey. Um, and for Venus conjunct Mars, I think, I mean, one of the biggest things that's coming to mind is just carnal desire, carnal passion. And that's exciting and scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, you it's, know. it's, it's, hap- it's going to happen. There's, <laughs> 
this is like expect those uh those sheets will be heated let's just say for anybody uh-huh. who is uh in a relationship or looking for a relationship um you know sparks could definitely fly around the especially as we as like the moon will eventually make a first quarter. It's on its way to make a first quarter in Libra, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Venus ruled sign and partnership oriented. And so there's something about, uh, this Venus Mars, uh, conjunction in Leo that is, is passion is ablaze. Um, and you know, like, I think that bodes well for, uh, relationships. It could, there could be surprising. There might, this could be the, like, Honestly, I'm like the makeup sex because uh-huh. there is so much tension that comes be- before this, before they meet, as they go through oppositions with Saturn, goes through squares with Uranus, and finally they come together and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's make let's make this up. Or or maybe you're at different points in your own awareness and this has nothing to do with another person. And then something about yourself comes into a wholeness, like that anima animus type of energy where all of a sudden you feel whole and, and, and very lit up by your own spirit and your own passion and your own desire and creativity. And there's just like, just sparks to me that come off of this placement in some way. Um, I'm getting excited just talking about, I'm excited about it too. And I think, um, you know, I think that there will be sparks that could go either way. I think that Venus conjunct Mars could also be a transit where there's relationship arguments and relationship issues. And there's a little (laughs) bit of, uh, you know, there's less patience maybe during a transit like this. Um, so in terms of relationships, I think focusing on the heart space around this time, you know, is, is always a really great solution. Yeah. Well, cause at the end of the day, something's being born here. I mean, this is a new cycle. So something wants yeah. to be born within the relationship experience, <clears throat> whether it's mm-hmm. a relationship to another person or the relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sometimes the dust has to get kicked up in order for that yeah. to happen because, you know, like fire signs, fires are passionate and there could be anger. Uh, Mars is a point of irritation. And sometimes when we're angry, it's not necessarily a bad thing because anger brings us to the point of awareness of what needs to change or what Mm -hmm. needs to like shift or open up. Um, And now that I realize it, the moon is actually going to be in Leo on Sunday and Monday when, um, excuse me, Mercury uh, makes that trying to Jupiter. So these two, mm. these two are really kind of flowing, not directly, but in their own way, because, you know, the Mercury is going to be ruled by that moon and Leo is making contact with Venus and Mars. So mm-hmm. there, we could see a lot of that conjunction energy really happen on Sunday and Monday in particular, um, Monday in particular. So yeah, all those points are valid. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is a, a refreshing new cycle that wants to start that hasn't been started, uh, since August of 2019. And that is a long, long time, <laughs> a long time. And I think it could be a new cycle where we may ask ourselves, you know, like, do I give myself the permission to feel royal and loyal mm. and regal and all elite? Like, do we give ourselves that permission? You know, maybe we do. Yeah, I know. I want to. I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Yes. I love that this conjunction is right on my midheaven. So I'm, I'm interested to see. Um, Me too. How that goes down, I'll take it. I'll, I'm gonna yeah. take some Venus Mars energy anytime. Yes, you'll have to fill us all in on, yeah. on how that goes for you. What a cool place to have the conjunction. I know. And well, this one won't last so long because it, they they will conjunct again at four degrees of Aquarius 
I believe in either February or March of 2022. So we're not mm-hmm. going to have this long, long period like we did before. Yeah. So there is like this kind of six month, well, maybe seven month window, maybe eight months. I don't know my math bad right now, but you know, of like enjoying, um, because at the end of the day, this is a new cycle that started in a very passionate, heartfelt sign where the last one was in Virgo, which there's nothing wrong with Virgo. Me and you both have our Virgo placement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I'm thinking about Venus and, and Mars meeting, I like the idea of the meeting in Leo, <laughs> even if oh, it gosh. does add some, you know, yes. some extra, extra to that fire. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. So we are, you know, so we basically have first quarter in Libra that's going to like kick up more relational stuff on Saturday the 17th. Um, But all that, while that's happening and that that's brewing, we basically have the sun now getting to that sensitive point we talked about earlier with Venus, uh, with that trying the Neptune and the opposition with Pluto. That's going to take place uh, July 15th which is Thursday through July 17th, uh, which is Saturday. So now the sun gets to that position. So I feel like there, well, there's bound to be awareness of what Mars and Venus has been through <laughs> at that point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like we're receiving lots of clarity on the story that's unfolding or has been unfolding for sure. And I think I mean, it'll be interesting for sure, but I wonder, you know, do we also start thinking about what it means to rest and relax and shifting a focus into our deeper sensitivities, maybe? Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I, well, I feel like we'll want to relax at that time because if you think about everything that's happened, (laughs) <laughs> so much has happened up in that point. And the sun trying Neptune on the 15th might be like, oh, I just need a break. Or I need to, I need a, a second yeah. to myself. I need, I need to, yeah. I need to soak in a salt bath or, you know, I just need to take something to collect it all in and bring it into the internal yeah. the psyche to process or release some of it or forgive some of it, depending on mm-hmm. what's, you know, cause forgiveness is another, uh, point of, you know, Neptune energy, um, and yeah. or find compassion, uh, for yourself or for another, or just for life in general, like, like, let me just you know, um, or really find the love in something as well. Too. Mm. It just could be like juicy mm-hmm. like that. I think so too. And I think with the sun, you know, trining Neptune, it could also be an opportunity for us to bring in like mysticism and the esoteric mm. into our sense of healthy ego and mm-hmm. use that as a channel to connect with our higher self, you know, or to connect with others. Mm, I think that's a great word of advice because, um, chances are the higher self is going to want to come through. There's like, like what I call like to call the mystical breadcrumb, which is going to be laid out that it, which is going to be easy to find. It's a trine, you know, the sun wants to be illuminated and it's easily going to find that piece of awareness. Um, and then the question is, what do we do with that? Because yeah. when we find that, then we have the opposition to Pluto. Um, and like mm-hmm. you pointed out, this can, uh, this could be a very, and chances are, you know, being receptive signs, these, this is going to be a very internalized understanding yeah. of the shift that takes place. Yeah. I think it'll be a really sensitive time. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. might find yourself in sensitivities oh, that yeah. could challenge you, but Oh, see the dog knows I'm telling you the dog knows. So pay attention on that 17th when the sun opposes Pluto, uh, and basically, we have first quarter in Libra 
making a T-square to the sun opposing uh, Pluto. So the moon is activating that. Um, so there's bound to be some sort of, uh, you know, decision, relationship tension. There's, there's something that's going to be taking place with that, with that T-square on the 17th. So just FYI, <laughs> if things feel a little crunchy, yeah, you'll, get, you'll get past it, but, uh, but it is, it is activating some sort of storyline. Yeah. That. There could be some transformation too, you know, especially yeah. if you've been wanting transformation, this yes. is a great transit for people who love transformation, love personal development, love spiritual growth, you know? Absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, we can decide for that. We can be, it could, this could mm-hmm. be the transformative uh, part of uh, a relationship once again, since we've had so much Mars and Venus energy um, and we're in that heart space of, you know, cancer season and all those Leo planets where we just turn a corner because first uh, quarter is that it's like we actively push forward. We actively grow. There's a new agenda underway and it can be a little tense, but tension also, you know, as they say, pressure makes diamonds. So yes, like get through that pressure. Um, so we're rounding the edge, uh, to, there's a couple things that happen left in cancer season. We have Chiron stationing retrograde. So that's, that's interesting because Chiron's played a role in the season, um, with some trines, with some squares, uh, but Mercury squares into it. Mercury then gets to the sensitive point where it squares Chiron as it's stationing and then sextiles Uranus. So Mercury is like the last to get, you know, is the last, you know, it's the straggler behind. That's like all the other planets have been there. And maybe this is just the point where we understand it or we can reason yeah. with it. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. I think anytime Chiron's involved, I'm thinking opportunity for healing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and release because that's what, that's what Uranus component. We keep coming back to this point of liberation yeah. and this point of upgrade yes. and working with it. And so, um, it could be something that our minds need to release. It could be a tense conversation that we might mm-hmm. need to have mm-hmm. that's in spirit, uh, you know, in, in favor of, um, you know, our, our own best interests. Cause it's, you know, cancer and Aries together. These are very personal energies. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. that can like hopefully lift up in some sort of peace or tranquility with the Uranus and Taurus action. Um, so just know that the mind can get a little, uh, but it might need to say something or that internal dialogue we were talking about before, because Mercury isn't a silent sign of cancer, um, between the 15th and the 20th. Uh, but what I love most of not, not, there's so much to love about cancer season, even though it has like it's rocky placements here and there. Yes. Um, but it's so interesting on the, like the last day before Leo season starts, we have Venus ingressing into Virgo and making that opposition with Jupiter. It's like the last thing that happens. It's like, I, I mean, Venus and Virgo is going to be a different flavor than Venus and Leo. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. It's going to, I feel like it's going to be night and day. I think we're really going <laughs> to yeah. notice that. I don't think that shift will be so subtle. No, it won't. It'll be like, <laughs> Venus is going to come down to earth. She's going to yes, be like, she'll oh, come back down to earth. She's, yes. She's yeah. going to come back down to earth. Uh, and, and, and look at the future. That's the thing is yeah. she's going to be opposing Jupiter right before Jupiter is going to move back into Aquarius too. So mm-hmm. there's something about this Virgo set, uh, Pisces axis that is going to be lit up 
Uh, and she's the first one to give us that taste with the person. Yeah. I was thinking too, just because of Jupiter, you know, about to go back into Aquarius that maybe with Venus opposite Jupiter, there might be like an invitation to indulge or party a little bit or to kind of, I don't know, just literally indulge in things that, you know, Venus and Virgo might not be known to indulge in, but Venus has just got there and Jupiter is in Pisces and isn't going to continue being there. So I think there's something to be said about maybe enjoying that little piece of energy, especially if you are someone who has been wanting to cut loose or do something that feels really good for you under this transit. But I think it's going to, how we receive the energy of Venus opposite Jupiter, I think it's honestly going to really depend on the current circumstances of our lives at that time. Yes. Because you might not be in that vibration. Like seeing somebody else in a social situation might be the worst thing you could think of at that time. So it's just going to depend on who we are, I think, as individuals, really. Absolutely. It could it could absolutely be where, you know, the, the peacocks have been out and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we need to get back into hermit zone over here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I need an act of self-care uh, in that so that I can go in and, and like get back to that spiritual side and, and what Jupiter, like Jupiter might have like just might feel overwhelmed actually by the, you know, cause Pisces can feel that overwhelm, especially of the collective. So it might, there might be a point where either, either we go out to play within the Jupiter energy, depending on where this happens in your chart, or we mm-hmm. tuck back in, uh, for a point of like, kind of like collecting the self once again and, and caring in very practical ways. Like it, it might be like, just getting some new, you know, skincare products or, or taking care of like, you know, like doing some self maintenance. It could be anything along yeah. those lines and then just totally good, you know? Um, yeah. Like the mind, body, soul piece with Virgo, the embodiment. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like bringing you back into the pleasures of the body because that's the thing with Virgo too, is like, is, is bodily pleasure, like, like mm-hmm. being like in your physical self and in the pleasure and the enjoyment, um, and how pleasure and enjoyment and, and like, uh, you know, even like, you know, physicality with someone else can rise you to a spiritual experience. So there could be something yeah. like that where you kind of surrender into, uh, you know, that a connection with someone or, you know, whether that is physical or whether that's just conversational or sitting next to someone and just feeling their energy and feeling the comfort there. So there, you know, mm-hmm. it can go in, in, in many ways, but there's bound to be some sort of like, turning point relationally, oh, yeah. some sort of sweetness, some sort of Jupiter and Pisces message um, yeah. that Venus can take in. Yeah. I love the word surrender for that transit. I really do. I know it's not a word we always think of when we're thinking of Jupiter, but love that word for this transit. Yeah. Well, we can definitely think about when we're thinking of Pisces. So, <laughs> so sur- surrender to that, surrender to the joy. Um, well, Raquel, you know, cancer season, holy cannoli. There are, <laughs> it is going, it's bound to be, uh, you know, we say that about every season, but this is a, this is a pretty lit season in many yes. ways. So if you had like a keyword, um, or a takeaway, well, a keyword, and then maybe a takeaway, what, what would you say? How would you describe this? Of course. Okay. Let me think. So I would say for the keyword, I would probably say impassioned, Mm, I like that. It's just going to be a very impassioned time. Um, and I, for like a key phrase, I feel like it could be something about like acknowledging what lies beneath. 
Um, so it's, and I mean, what we do with that observation or acknowledgement will be up to us, of course, but I think that, yeah, acknowledging what lies beneath for us, be a key phrase for cancer season. And then the word impassioned. And I think like leading with truth and transparency and then making space for what brings us pleasure and trying to do so without guilt or shame, mm. you know, really yeah. getting into the cancer vibe as much as we can, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. No, I think, that, <laughs> I think that's great, great advice. And there is bound to be, yeah, passionate energy. It feels, it feels, uh, very, very bold. Um, it feels bold, but soft. I don't know mm-hmm. how to like, <laughs> there, you know, like there's just, there's something that is, you know, the passion is out there. The boldness is out there, but there is a tenderness behind that or a vulnerability oh, or like, yeah. you know, like, and because you know what, at the end of the day to live in your heart and to be like that cups energy, you have to dare because only mm-hmm. the people that are bold and courageous can really live in the heart because it takes, it takes courage. It, it takes a yeah. sensitivity it takes the willingness to be vulnerable, uh, to, you know, really let the heart lead. So, and I yeah. guess that maybe that's my phrase, let the heart lead. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think maybe we all slip into the archetype of gentle warrior. Ooh, I you like know? that gentle yeah. warrior, gentle warrior. Let that exist for a little bit. That, that can, you know, this and that are true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, okay. So Raquel, where can people find you? What do you got going on? Uh, what can you leave us with? Awesome. So you can head to my website, which is astrologywithraquel.com. I have a lot of classes and courses and fun offerings on there. And I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is at astrology.with.raquel. All right. And so I always post a blog post with uh, the guest on the podcast. So you can come on over to energeticprinciples.com to find that and to get Raquel's link. So you can go check her out. She's got wonderful stuff on Instagram all the time, sharing some potent thought forms with us, uh, you know, letting that Virgo energy fly free. Um, so definitely check her out there. Um, and, oh, and I'm over at energetic principles as well. So, you know, basically that's the way to get to me. Um, let's see what else is going on. Well, if you like listening to cancer season, you know, uh, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, spread it with a friend, you know, share it on your social media platform to get the word out, whatever feels right for you, uh, because that helps myself and Raquel be seen further within the astral community and the world at large. Um, and so, yeah, well, Raquel, it was a pleasure chatting with you, uh, for cancer season. I hope you join me again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for listening today, everyone. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this epically long cancer season podcast. (laughs) Uh, We hope you get the most from it. uh, And we wish you the best of luck out there. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm